This is Psychic Warfare. Welcome back, my friends, to Psychic Warfare, the podcast where spirituality and philosophy collide with heavy metal and rock and roll. I am your host, Chris Keelick, and thank you for joining me once again on another journey into the lives and minds of the most iconic musicians in heavy music. Just as a reminder, if you enjoy the podcast and these conversations with the artists you love, it would mean the world if you subscribed and followed the podcast on your platform of choice. Also, you can follow me and the show at SciWarPod on Twitter and at Psychic Warfare Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. So if you get a chance, follow the show there for updates and happenings on all things Psychic Warfare. This week, Matt Megachi, vocalist of Tech Death Legends Cryptopsy, joins us on the show. Matt joined Cryptopsy in 2007, and since then he has gone on to release two full-length records and two EPs with the band, and currently hosts an incredible metal podcast called Vox and Hops, where he sits down with a veritable who's who in metal, drinks some craft beer, and delivers some of the most candid and positive conversations in the community. A renaissance man who now helms one of the best Tech Death bands to ever do it. Welcome to Psychic Warfare, and it's a pleasure to have you here today. Cheers. How you doing, bud? Very good to be here with you tonight. I'm doing great, man. And uh, as I mentioned before we started recording, uh, it, it was a pleasure to see you reach out and uh, get this set up. And uh, I'm just super stoked to have you. And I guess I'll just start off kind of similar to how how you do a little bit. I always ask you, how are you feeling at this moment in time, mentally, physically, and spiritually? Life is good. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching a break period on my podcast, Vox and Hops. Uh, uh, throughout the summer, I decided uh, to start putting a little more like implicated and uh, intentional rest periods. You can call it seasons, even though I'm not yeah. labeling them such as seasons. But uh, I'm going to do three months on, one month off, three months on throughout the year. So it gives me a little bit of time to recharge. And I sort of line those up with my wife is a student, so it, it falls within her end of session rush. So I can be a little bit more available in the household during that period. So, so I have one coming up. Um, it being the end of the year, I've squeezed in a few extra episodes, which I'm not supposed to have. Uh, but you know, end of year wrap up, top ten lists tend to take a little bit of our time. So, so it's it's I've trickled into my month off, but I'm okay with that. But I'm doing good. I'm I'm feeling good. I feel positive. I feel rested. I'm trying to be balanced in my lifestyle, enjoying craft beer, but also being healthy, <laughs> sleeping more. Life is good. You know, I'm curious, growing up, what was your kind of spiritual and philosophical upbringing like? I mean, did you grow up in a household that held a certain faith or was spirituality something more personal that you discovered and de developed over time or, or like a personal philosophy that you're like, you know what, this is something very personal to me. I'm finding what works for me and I'm going to build it kind of custom made for myself as you, as I get older? Well, I was definitely raised in a Christian household, but we weren't like uber practicing. Right, right. Uh, I went to church frequently uh, growing up. I have many memories of being in church. Uh, I have a very early memory of shame where where I was in um, Sunday school and the teacher said, who, who makes the rainbows? And I was like, well, it's rainbow bright. <laughs> I watched and she was like, no, it's God. And I remember being like, I was, I must've been very young. And I remember being feeling shame and ashamed at that moment. Uh, so there's that, but my, my family was never really like super heavy on it. It wasn't like we, we had to, you know, say grace before dinner or right, pray right. at night. Um, I remember we would go to church and I, I think it was more of like a, a habit thing. Probably had to do a lot with my grandmother not that she would go with us, but we would go eat at her lunch at her house afterwards on Sunday. So I, I don't 
habits happen, right? So that was my upbringing. With that, I definitely was into religious studies at uh, when I was in high school, which is something that doesn't exist anymore, I believe. Uh, but I definitely did that when I was in high school in the 1990s. And uh, I remember at that point, I remember discovering Marilyn Manson. And that was something that started to encourage me and my group of fan group of friends Funny enough, Vince, who was, we were literally just texting before this, we still talk 25 years later, um, questioning faith. And it was interesting. And my my family was a little bit less cool about that, but it wasn't a bothersome thing. They were just, it was like a debate that was not really open for discussion. (laughs) Right. But I I just quickly just decided to decide my own things. And now growing up, once I've left my house and after high school finishing that I, I firmly am an atheist and I, I'm very okay with that and I have kids of my own and we speak about life and nature and science and I'm okay with that yeah I'm curious at the point where you're at now you you know you mentioned living a balanced lifestyle you know what are kind of the practices that you have discovered you know whether you found it in a book that inspired you a certain philosopher or a certain way of living or you know, just inspiration from friends and family or seeing something what are kind of the practices that do kind of help you stay grounded and kind of keep you level-headed and just kind of keep you balanced amidst a family life and your band life and doing the podcast, you know, because I think a lot of people, they, they turn to multiple different outlets for finding that kind of balance. But if there's something that is, is easy and kind of a personal thing that's worked for you, I'm just curious, you know, what that is and if it's something that you continue to do to this day. Well, it's definitely, I've been with my wife for over 20 years now. Um, we've been married I should know the answer to this. Congratulations. <laughs> for a lot. We've been married for a while, but uh, not 20 years, but we have been together for 20 years. And she, she's like so important for everything to do with my mindset and how I think and the, the positiveness of my life and looking at life through a different lens as opposed to when I was growing up. I don't know why. I don't know what happened there, but she grew up in a household that was also just presented at looking at life through a different scope. And I have adopted that. It took many years to adopt to that lifestyle, but it, it definitely is a positive thing. It started like by little small increments, um, not dwelling on the past so much. I was definitely someone that was caught up in what happened to me in high school, uh, lost relationships, uh, friends that I wasn't speaking with anymore. It was like a heavy weight on me. But over the years of just just learning to mourn those and and taking positive approaches of how to live life positively and look at life differently and uh, tackling challenges with a an open mindset and a positive mindset and there was a switch that happened while i was in cryptopsy too and i was with the guys this summer we were having a few beers as per usual and uh there was this moment where like matt came to on a tour and i think it was after i got married and and they were saying that i was like just i had started just saying positive vibes guys positive vibe and i don't know where it came from i think i was just so happy after having because we, we did this tour right after my honeymoon like i literally got married went on honeymoon uh in south of central america south america and then i went got home for a day or two and i flew to europe to be on tour with the guys so and that tour i think is when the positive vibes met sort of came around and what it all links together and i don't know um interesting timing and i've just sort of kept that moving forward in everything that i've been doing um the podcast wasn't born yet uh, cryptopsy was my main thing i still worked full-time as an early childhood educator i guess everything just sort of tied in together then i had my own kids 
And it's just something that's just trickled. And it's something that I've used with the podcast because having a podcast is a labor of love. It's it's something that takes a lot of time. It's something that you need to be hyper-focused on and super organized. But you also have to have like set little minimal goals that you can accomplish. And it's it's stuff that I've just, things like this that have really pushed me forward. Uh, before I got married, I was like, really like, I'm going to get into shape. That's something that was another thing of like having a balanced lifestyle. So I wanted to be healthy and live a healthy lifestyle. That's been a roller coaster over the past few years. Craft beer is not the funnest and easiest thing to to enjoy a balanced lifestyle with, but I I, I found my way of doing that, and I, I like it. So so it's it's life is a journey, and I'm I'm happy to be on the one that I'm on. Was there something that when you met your wife or or, or into your relationship that you can remember that she said to you or or kind of explained a, a piece of her worldview to you that was kind of a paradigm shift that you're like, oh my god, like I never thought about it that way, but that's that's a great way of looking at the world. That's a great practice. Something that I think it's just recall. all the time. I think it's just all the time. <laughs> I knew right away when I was, she was like this bright light that I needed to have in my life. I remember immediately, she remembers me from the summer before, because we met at summer camp, like a day camp, not like a sleepaway, but we would take care of kids during the day in our hometown of two mountains, which is a small suburb outside of uh, Montreal. So, so I remember right away just thinking that she's so vibrant and just light, 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 where I guess in my life before that, I, I focused a lot on the darkness, um, a more of a somber approach to to challenges, like, why is this happening? Like, more of victimizing myself. And, and with mm. her, I've sort of just turned the coin where I could just sort of see challenges as a, as a new opportunity to learn stuff. And a lot of the shit that I've gone through, I'm happy that I went through, because, you know, The Unspoken King being my big chance to to break into the metal world and it was a disaster so so i was devastated devastated but luckily my wife was there to help me sort of cope through the whole thing because i was it was it was pretty fucking hot, rough the, the, that whole period having having death threats and people just totally hate an album that you put all your life into I had heard that in an interview that you did with Band Bond that you worked in chi early childhood education. And do you still work in early childhood education, or is is yep, yeah, yeah, every day? No, no, right. every day I work in uh, ECE, especially since the the, uh, especially, the especially since the pandemic. Um, Cryptopsy hasn't been touring, and I used to work in daycare, but I would only do from twelve to six, which would have less interactions with families, with um, children in general, because I would replace educators during the break. So, so now I work, since the pandemic, it's been three years now, I work with three, four-year-olds, typically, as they grow, they change ages, and that makes sense, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, and I have a, a group of my own that I take care of and that we learn together. We have a lot of fun together. And uh, I try to be positive and zen there, but I've always been a very zen educator. That's something that I, I am, except for the death metal Fridays. That puts a big smile on my face because of the juxtaposition for one, obviously, which is kind of the, the most the most glaring thing. But also, I just really admire how you are always providing practical solutions to listeners about how to get through dark days and stretches of ruts by asking the artists that you talk to how, how they get through it. And that's so important for fans to hear from the mm -hmm. artists that they look up to. At least I believe that. I really believe no, 100%, that. 100% because people think that these people don't have bad days or people think that I don't have a bad day. If most definitely a lot of artists don't showcase that they've had a bad day on their social media, that's for damn sure they're going to shine the, sh the brightest side, which is another reason why social media is so fucking toxic. But we all are addicted to it and we all stick to it and it's we're in their Real. traps. It's so much fun, the, the, the dopamine fix and the, the drip that you get from the dings and then you see all. But um, yeah, I think it's super important. I really started asking that question 
after Trevor died because it's sad. He was such a fucking cool guy. So yeah. nice and such a vibrant, positive, bubbly person. I had like I I had crossed him a few times. I toured with him in 2008 and he was just so much fun all the time. So that that's something like I have to start showcasing and not showcasing. I have to start like showcasing coping mechanisms to to not being okay because the, the pandemic was really tough. And I'm happy that I started the Thirsty Thursday gang because I've had c- countless people that have been a part of the Thirsty Thursday gang. And if you don't know what, know what that is, it's on Thursdays during the pandemic, every Thursday for probably like eight months straight, every Thursday I'd hang out with people on the internet and we would just talk about our lives. And we would go around, sometimes there'll be 60 people in a Zoom meeting, it's other times 30, sometimes less. And we would just talk to each other. How are you feeling? And I would set goals for people, trying to help them be creative. And when when early in the lockdown, when we people had nothing to do and people were freaking out. And it would just give you a sense of like community. And it's built into this amazing community. So definitely wanted to to provide a place for people to talk and to open up. And I I, I guess that comes from the early childhood educator side of mine to to encourage people to open up and to be vulnerable because most artists try not to. We, we try to be a persona all the time. We're the toughest, most evil people in the world, but it's not true. We're at the, at this, you know, we're the, what's the Tootsie Roll, the, the soft, chewy center. What do you think, in, in your point of view, that's a great metaphor for one, but what do you think it takes? Because there is such a, not a stigma, but just kind of a, a, a built up, a built up wall that, we, you know, has kind of persisted throughout history especially with people who enjoy heavy music that vulnerability is a is a weakness and not a strength but do you think it takes from people who enjoy heavy music hearing it from their favorite artists or what what else do you think it takes to kind of hit on the message not just with fans of heavy music but kind of as a society that like listen like we have to be done with the kind of fact that like showing emotion or or being vulnerable is a is a weakness because it's not it's a it's a strength like to you like what Mm -hmm. What does it take to kind of get that through and for people, to, for someone to really, truly internalize that and understand it? I think more people have to do it. I think that we have to showcase it and, and make people realize that it is not a weakness. And I think that more and more people are doing it already. And it's the same thing with sobriety. A lot, a lot more artists are not showcasing that excessive alcohol, drug-induced fevers that was going on in the 80s as we look at early metallica and motley Crue, the party years all that stuff that's gone it's not just about hedonism anymore mm-hmm. you see it all these people young artists now that are successful they they are some of them don't even most of them don't even drink and if they do they don't showcase it as the, as they used to they, they, they showcase the their health and i'm a healthy person i'm balanced i can have fun but i can still you know read this book that i fucking love and that's a that's a cool party for me too so i think it's the same thing with vulnerability i think that the more that we showcase it and the more that we as artists empower that thought process that that being macho and a true tough artist also means being vulnerable and being vulnerable is a form of strength and 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 knowing when you're vulnerable can give you strength too because it if you're vulnerable in certain things, it, it's your weaknesses, right? And if you know what your weaknesses are, you can definitely work on them and make yourself a stronger person. So I think that it's just a matter of time. And as you know, the more and more um, empowered as the generation is becoming, uh, more and more open about all the amazing things that are happening with with genders and sexuality, it's only a matter of time that vulnerability comes next. <laughs> Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of that. And it's been like, I'm so wonderful to see I was, 
I don't even remember. I was at a spirit box show. Well, it, was, it was the Under Oath spirit box tour, and it was the most diverse heavy music show that oh, I've, yeah. I've been to in terms of ages, races, sexes, genders, you know, I'm assuming religions like, and it was just, you know, old and young. It was the first time I looked around in a long time and it was just, just a big grin came over my face. It's like, this is, I'm so happy that this is direction, the direction that, and th these are the people that are going to be leading the charge going forward into, oh, yes. into of, of heavy music. It makes me very, very happy to hear that. And oh, I'm yes. curious, you know, tying it into you and vulnerability, you have kids now, you work with kids. I think working with kids can really ground you when you're struggling in life. And for you having kids, I'm sure, you know, wh what have you learned personally? What wisdom have you learned from either the kids you work with or your own children? And what do you think that kids still have to teach us adults about living and being and being vulnerable and, and kind of things that we still have yet to pick up on that kids, it just comes natural to them. I'm so, so thankful that I work with kids and I've been working with kids as I was touring with Cryptopsy before I had my own children. That was so grounding. I would, I would do this. There's this story that I've told before I played this rock fest here in, in Quebec um, in Montebello, and Cryptopsy played between Marilyn Manson and Alice Cooper. It was like Ooh. you can't make you can't make this shit up, you know. <laughs> and this was a Saturday night, and then Monday I was at work and I was washing dishes <laughs> because sometimes you have to wash dishes. That's an education. a very cathartic less, thing to do. I may add, I enjoy washing. And dishes. I, you know, when I was like Saturday night, I was doing this. <laughs> Here I am doing this. The yin and the yang was weird, but um. Children, the, the the best part of it is is the, how they look at everything with such a fresh perspective, and and anything can just just amaze them. Whereas us as older humans, we live in our minds and our preoccupations and what we have to do, and that list in our minds. It's way more important than reality that's happening, which is a very also scary thing when you add social media on top of that. Oh yeah. So so it's it's. Fucked up. So, so I don't know if you'd swear in your pockets. No, absolutely. Fucking swear um, away, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, so kids don't look at life that way. And, and kids don't have that list. Kids have fresh outlook on life. And to live that when you present like a new activity to kids or when you just put like a few, you talk, call it like Mary Johnson, my teacher, EC at Vanier College, we'll call it being the play fairy. When you just drop, I did it last week as an example. I'll say we have a classroom table where we eat our lunch. And I, I literally just like stacked a few inclined blocks and put some cars, but I put like, put like five blocks. And then within 20 to 30 minutes, there were the, all of the blocks from my block corner were on the table and they had built this whole other thing. So that things like that and getting to observe that and to inspire that is very uplifting and very uh, refreshing. Now the, the challenge is to when you're in a shitty mood or when you're feeling like that pressure of the list of your things to do of uh, the emotional uh, weight that of things that have happened throughout the day is on you is to to try to reconnect with those special little moments that you're having in your own day and look at things through you know like oh i caught all the green lights let's say and then be happy as happy as those kids would be there's another story at work that this boy he was so goddamn happy whenever we would eat tortellini Oh, you know, I wish I need to meet this kid. That tortellini, I, am the, you know, I am him. You know, and like, he is me. <laughs> <laughs> he's 18 now. He's, he's turning 18. I had him many, many years ago. Wow. But uh, <laughs> that's how long I've been doing that. 
but uh, just, and I would look at the kid and I still think about it in that same way. Like, I wish that stuff like that would make me that excited. You know, like that Christmas morning thing. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, so, so things like that, effect mm. of, of trying to, to appreciate life in a special way. Since I've been doing the podcast, I have like these mantras that I do when I leave my house and I walk towards uh, the subway, the metro, we call it here in Montreal. And, um, you know, I try to like spread positiveness and I have like the thing and I have like a mantra that I just say, I don't know why, where it came from, why I say it, but uh, I want to like accept positiveness throughout the world. I want to spread positiveness. I want to bring people together. My, my, it's my favorite thing to do is to put two artists together and be like, have fun. And then if something happens from it, I'm so happy. If not, it happens, it doesn't happen in this, but to just spreading joy, bringing people together and, if I could look at things as excitedly as a young child does for the first time, uh, that, that's the challenge that I challenge myself to try to do a bit more. I, Matt, I relate to you so much on that. Cause I was listening to uh, just, just kind of going back and listening to some of my favorite episodes that you've done. And uh, the one with Andy Thomas from rivers of Nile. And you talk, you asked him about oh, what, what would you call What would you do for a collaboration? And I I'm all about that. Like I, I love bringing creative people together and, having that kind of spark hit and just let create pure boundless creativity happen. And I was talking with my wife. It's funny that you mentioned, you know, everything that you were just saying about taking the, taking the time to to notice the little things. And as if you were finding your inner child and first thing it brings to mind is uh, Marcus Aurelius. He talks about like seeing like the foam on a boar's mouth uh, or bubbles in water, or these kind of small details in this kind of stoic philosophy, and just the joy of kind of just taking time to observe them and the beauty that they have, kind of all their own in nature. But the second thing is, I was talking with my wife, and we were we we have our Christmas tree up over here, and we we're just like, it just doesn't feel the same this year. She was like, why don't you think it feels the same this year as the first year that we put it up together? And I was like, is it because that it's just not new anymore, or is it just because life is you know we've mm-hmm. we've gone through struggles through the pandemic and beyond and you know i was talking with phil from chemist last week and he's like you know i question myself am i a good partner am i am i doing things right am i doing good at my job am i doing this am i doing that constantly in your own head questioning and you know there's been a lot more of that you know having more time to ourselves during the pandemic and afterwards and i wonder if that's something that makes it feel maybe maybe not less special is the word but just something that takes away from it and it's hard because you don't want that to happen and you want to fight against that. And I think you might be onto something that that's had an impact on all of us. And we just need to find a way to find our inner childs. You know, what else, do, you know, what else does that look like to you that we can concrete ways that we can, are, are there ways we can be like, you know what, we're making a decision and your brain goes one way, but you have to catch yourself and be like, what would 16 year old me think about this or 13 year old me think about this? I think that we need to, it, it's it's a checking ourselves and it's a very, very tough mental thing to do. And I don't do it all the time, you know, because none of us are perfect, uh, but you need to mentally push yourself. And that's something where my wife, I'm so lucky to have my wife, she's so balanced to, to put me into mental checks and to, we talk a lot. She loves to talk. Um, it's I like to listen. There's moments when, Sometimes it's too much, but she respects that too because she loves to talk and she's alone with the kids a lot throughout the day. So she likes to talk to adults and I like have been with people all day. So it's like a balance, but she's great at putting me into the right mindset if I'm not in the right mindset. And she knows when to give me space, like when I'm stressed, such as last Thursday when I was recording an episode and right before we sat down, we had no more power. So I was like, oh, fuck, how am I going to do this? I'm going to tether from my phone. I'm going to plug into 
every power pack that I have, have someone else host the meeting for it was it was a thing, but it worked. Um, but she knew at that moment that she needed to give me some space because I wasn't going to be as level headed as I should be. It's just a podcast, right? Yeah, I think that comes that's a kind of a, a bigger lesson, kind of knowing yourself and knowing who you are to some degree. And so the people around you, you can communicate that to the people around you. Obviously, communication is the the key word here for relationships very mm-hmm. personal, you know, marriage or otherwise, you know, nothing can really function that well without communication, but knowing yourself being like, Hey, and I know when I face these moments, this is how I am. It may not be perfect and I'm working to get better on it, but I, I can acknowledge that about myself. And I, I, I recently, you know, I've gone through a lot of personal transformation where like I I've discovered that, you know, I have ADHD that's kind of been undiagnosed for a long time. And I've, I've been on, I just got on medication and it was a very emotional experience for me to the point where I was like almost in tears at my job at my day job, because I was like, now I know how quote unquote norm, there's no such thing as normal, but quote unquote, like normal yeah, brains yeah. are supposed to function. And I was like, I literally was like almost in tears at my <laughs> behind my desk at work. But you know, that's kind of led to other revelations of like, hey, like I need a whiteboard and like a calendar to like cross things off or else like I'm not going to get everything done that I set my mind to, including stuff with the podcast and getting re- doing research and, you know, planning it out. Like, have you found, you know, what was have you come across something like that in your life where you're like you, you came through a moment and you're like, OK, I know this about myself. This is something that I need to be my best self and what do you have are you a, a something like that like do you use schedules to to plan your day or to kind of get things done because you mentioned mental you have mental uh, checks. i'm very very yeah no i'm i'm it's a lot in my brain i i did this massive like project where i released 24 beer collabs in june of 2020 and i was working with chris Kells from the agonist the basis of the agonist he has a video production company and he was like where, where do you write all this down and I was like I don't hmm. it's like I just follow the list in my brain and it just does it like I'm lucky I'm, I have a very good memory like that but I have been using like more notepads and stuff in my phone to keep me on top of stuff because there is a lot going on all the time and I use base camp with with people that I work with uh, but for myself um, in high school I was just so we were a small small school and I was not one of the cool kids I wasn't uncool but I had a lot of self-esteem issues for reasons I don't know why and uh, it plagued on me and it made me very angry very frustrated and I think that finally like cathartically I got a lot of that out by joining bands and being accepted in that aspect of things because there wasn't many bands so we automatically became the musicians the the band of the grade and uh, that really, really helped me in getting frustration out that the more aggressive the music became, the more I s- screamed a bit more, more harshly I was singing. That was like a cathartic experience for me to really get over some of the self-esteem, shame, things that I was going through. Uh, th- th- that was like really the biggest, biggest movement for me throughout my life. And then finally, like getting over high school. High school was five years long, but it, I, I mourned it and, and got out like obsessed over like little interactions and, and things that happened many years, like 10 years later. It makes no sense. I've, I've done four times my high school in the, since I've left my high school. But some of those moments are seem so much more important because they were formative, right? So just, just uh, it took me a long time and lots of amazing chats with my wife to, to help uh, get me over, over high school. So it's fucked up, eh? Strange yeah, little I, impacts that little things can happen in our life. 
Yeah. I, I, man, you saying that I, I feel like I'm kind of in that phase and I'm kind of working through that as well. And that's so important to like, let people listening know that like, if like for me, it, it, it was medication, you know, I, I thought there was something wrong with me that I was just going to be this way. And then I discovered something, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, if you are, if you find yourself struggling, you know, it can be friends, it can be therapy, it can be medication, you know, oh, yeah. do your research. We're, we're living in an age where there shouldn't be a stigma around these, these things anymore. And it will really transform no. your life. I, and, and it can channel it into a creative outlet. Like I would not have started this podcast because I didn't have the, I didn't have the brain space for it. And it was the most frustrating thing in, mm -hmm. in my entire life because I'm always someone, I feel like I resonate with you because I am always someone who I imagine like you had a lot of really big ideas that were really awesome in your head and you just wanted to like make them real or do something or at least do something it's like i, I listen i watch finn mckenty a lot um the punk rock mba yeah he's and, awesome and uh he said you know if you just do something like if you want to like make a t-shirt company or like and if you just print a t-shirt or if you want to make youtube videos and you just make a video or you just make a do your first episode of your podcast you're already ahead of like 90 percent of people but my brain just like wouldn't Absolutely. let me do that and it was the most frustrating thing ever in it it made me it made me feel really bad about myself. Like I was just always going to be that way. And then finally, I met the right doctor who you know recommended, or I don't even remember how, but you know said I think you might have this. You might have ADHD, and you just you know never got diagnosed. Try this medication, and led to this experience. And now I'm doing this thing that I've been wanting to do for so long, and it feels so great to have this creative outlet. And I I, I imagine that we resonate on a certain degree where it's like, hey having this creative outlet and just doing it opens up so much in your life and improves your mental health. Just having, having, just creating for creating sake, you know? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Like I, I wrote a book of short stories to go with my rock band that I had uh, before the podcast. And while I was in cryptopsy back in 2009 and there's have these ideas and I'm very lucky that I want to do things, but then my wife will find she's a project manager before she did her career switch she she would find all the aspects of how to make it possible and she did it with the podcast so we went out for her birthday in 2018 and i said i think i want to start a podcast so we went through everything and then she was like this is how you do it. and then it took me time to mentally get ready to start hosting stuff because i was still shy about it and then it, i just once the ball started rolling it just it was easy because she had already put everything in place so cheers to that doctor for finding the the right cocktail for you to for sure set you straight and my I've own story, the uh, stories where it takes a few cocktails before it actually sits so you're lucky that yeah. it actually worked on the first try definitely don't give up to anybody listening like don't give up there's there i i no. even yeah absolutely. And who cares if no one listens to a podcast who cares if no one listens to your song who cares if no one looks at your painting it's yeah. yours it's something you created and and whether you're making it for someone else you know that's another discussion or if you're just making it to get it out of yourself yeah. i think that's something that creative people have to do is and you can't hit the right idea unless you get the other ideas out. So so if you're going to sit on this first idea because you're afraid no one's going to like it, you'll never hit the last idea where everyone's going to love it if you don't clear out the mental space of these other projects in the way of that one. So just keep being creative and keep pushing yourself to be creative and make time in your life to allow yourself to be creative. And that's another challenge in itself, but it's it's scheduling, right? So absolutely, every minute of my life is scheduled and that's a challenge which is why I'm taking time off because I won't yeah. stop. And, and I like doing things and I like helping people and I like interviewing people. 
but there's times where your body just needs to rest. So scheduling is, is important, but also scheduling rest is important too. Yes, absolutely. Self-care, the metal self-care is metal as hell guys. I, I will, Whoa. I will say it. Self-care is metal mm -hmm. as fuck. <laughs> uh, you know, burn, burn burnouts are not. Yes. Burnouts are not metal, metal guys. Burnouts are not metal. <laughs> uh, something that I think a lot of people are afraid of, maybe afraid is the wrong word, but myself, like, you know, I'm getting older. I'm almost 30. You know, my wife and I, you know, we're not planning on having kids yet, but you know, we, you know, we've talked about it and like when we want to do that in the future. And I think even, even if you're not having kids or planning on it, just as you get older, things kind of come in and come out of your life. And I think a lot of people are kind of scared to sacrifice things that they know bring them enjoyment. What is that like kind of going through that process? Is it something that you don't even really notice? Or is it something that you kind of have to consciously say, listen, I'm at a point in my life where I can't, I just can't do this anymore. And I have to prioritize. Well, it's definitely easier than I thought, but I think a lot of things fell into place at the same time, which made decisions for me. Uh, one being the birth of my first child sort of fell into that. And we were trying not to watch much TV around my child. Another thing was like my, my, I was playing PlayStation 3, right? So this is a long time ago. So, so I, Grand Theft Auto 5, I think was the last game I ever played. And then my console was just out of date and I wasn't going to invest in a new one. Yeah. So, so that sort of fell into that. And then the hockey thing was like, I don't have TV subscription in my house. So to watch home games, you had to like get some illegal router thingy and I didn't want to do it anymore. So it was like a bunch of things like that that just sort of fell into place. Um, you know, I would sit, I would know every player's name. I would know like everything. I would watch every game for, for many years. And it's funny because when I moved out into my first apartment with my wife, um, I never watched hockey and it's something that I got into afterwards. So it's like, it was an in and out of my life and who knows, maybe I'll come back in when I have more time and I'm old and I'm just sitting there and still yelling at the Canadians for being a bunch <laughs> of bums. Like my 97 year old grandfather still does to this day. I think it has to do with a lot with like, we want to hold on to our youth. And again, we talked about finding the ways to kind of capture your inner child, but so things of youth inevitably fall away. I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand that the things of youth go beyond like just kind of the physical manifestations of things, kind of passing moments that bring you kind of those dopamine hits. Like, you know, we're talking about social media or, for, or video games or hockey, you know, but it, it's kind of an ethos that goes beyond that, that that's what you really need to hold on, uh, hold on to that's important. It's really not so much the physical manifestations of those things that you kind of envision, like you're talking about, you went through high school 10 times over in your mind you know, long after it was, it was passed. Do you think that that's a sentiment that that's kind of true? Am, am I onto something there? Or do you think I'm kind of off base in saying that? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think I started to evolve and I moved that to finer, refined things. And it's nothing against people that still do any of these things. Yeah. You know, like, like I got heavily into craft beer enthusiasm, which is something that is a huge passion of mine. I think I just altered my passions. Passions uh, music, just evolve. I think that's what really happened. I think things that aren't for children, for sure, <laughs> such as craft beer and, uh, you know, fine foods and um, drinking wine and pairing it with cheeses when I used to eat cheese and um, just, you know, just things like that. And I think uh, I've evolved as a human and I'm still evolving. And uh, I feel like there's never an finite finished product as a human. I hope not. I'd like to keep aging like a fine wine and um, keep keep becoming a better version of myself but that's not going to happen unless i'm having critical glances at what's going on in my life and cutting the fat so that i can make more space for more 
um, fruitful <laughs> things, which, you know, drinking a bunch of craft beer on my couch on a Friday night is not the best thing to do, but it happens sometimes because it's it makes me feel nice and it gives myself yeah. a little break and a little self-reward for having a good week, you know? It is still something, it is something that has evolved that, that is that is good in your life and that makes you feel good and there is nothing wrong with that. And we are always in the process of, we are we are being and becoming simultaneously always and i think that's hard for for me to just remind myself of that like we again we are not yet yeah, we're not only being but we're being and becoming always and i have mm-hmm. to just kind well, of we lock, should be we should lock, never be satisfied but and, we should appreciate small victories because those are those yeah. that was the thing that i had issues with was like yeah never being satisfied with my musical career always wanting more it's something that i had to learn over time to just accept and and look at things and i think that's another thing that helped me a lot too it ties into the looking at the moss, looking at the froth, as you were mentioning <laughs> the earlier, the bored head mouth. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus Aurelius, for that. But it's true, though. It's true, because I would like, I want to play Vakken. I played Vakken, but now I want to play Vakken on the big stage. Things like that. Yeah. So so being on the stage and appreciating the froth for the what froth. it is. It's also a very metal metal imagery, the boar's <laughs> froth. It's very Amana Marth That's kind of lyrics. Very, yeah. yeah. It's funny they're here on Saturday. Um, <laughs> just, just enjoying the presence the yeah. present the presence the present enjoying the present and now they focus the presence on, of the present yeah yeah that's even better uh and then like it's okay to want something more but you should definitely take the time to be satisfied and, and look at what you've done and appreciate it but you can always get better as a human yeah so. a little bit of a paradox and when of... you make mistakes when you make mistakes it's okay yeah exactly you just have to get up and and make tomorrow a better day whether Absolutely. it be if you're trying to work out every day or work out on a regimen and then you skip a day and you feel like shit because you skipped a day. No, don't feel like shit because you skipped a day. Just get back on the regimen. Just just step back onto the, you know, whatever program you have. If you're trying to eat well and you have a shitty day, that's okay too. Yeah. The next day is another day. Don't just go down the dark spiral of, of self-contempt and, and feeling sorry for yourself. And now you have a past of not be the best self. Because you fucked up one day. If you've hurt someone, another example, make the next day better. Something that I learned in, in childhood, early childhood education, there's this educator, I think her name is Bev Boss. And she was saying that if ever you go home and you feel like shit with an interaction that you've had with a child, don't feel bad about it, but just never make that, never do that again. It's... Make the next day better. You are you are more of a stoic than than I think you give yourself credit for because uh, that's another I think I think it was Epictetus who said that he didn't get pleasure from kind of the things that we talk about that normally derive pleasure kind of these past you know the passing moment or kind of yeah, frivolity or hedonistic things he said I get my pleasure from improving myself every day you know little by little that's mm-hmm. where I, that is where I derive the pleasure of my life. And uh, that's very true. I mean, it's not easy. That's for sure. it, it's not easy, but <laughs> it's not it, easy. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, it, it can be a pleasurable thing all the time. And it is the paradox of all we have is the present. We don't have anything more than that. We don't have the past or the future. We have the same thing that everybody else has, which is this very second. And to appreciate that. But at the same time, we are constantly involving and we can't really stop that. It's just, it's going to happen. And it's fascinating to think about. And I wanted you to I wanted to ask you this because you've I've heard you speak many times on Vox and Hops. And the most recent example that comes to mind is that interview with Andy Thomas about the power of kind of throwing your intentions out into the universe and the universe kind of having a funny way oh, yeah. of answering you, often when you either most or least expect it. I mean, how do you personally adhere to this kind of law of intentionality? I mean, how firmly do you believe in that? 
and have you seen it manifested? I do. I, I really do. And I, I, I've tried stuff and sometimes it doesn't work, right? You, you throw out stuff and wanting things to succeed and then it doesn't succeed. But as with the, if you've had a shitty day, just get up and have another good day. That's your decision to throw it out there again. But if you don't try something and if you don't put it out into the world, it won't succeed. It won't even happen. No one will think about it unless you say the words or you put the action into place, such as launching your podcast or releasing that picture that you took on social media. You could say the devil, but it's a step. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, writing that script for that movie you want to produce. That it's, if you don't take the first steps, how is it going to happen? So I, I definitely, definitely firmly believe in that. And, and the power of the universe. I don't know if that ties into my Christian upbringing. It might, but that's not how I see it. I just more see it as like, a, you can't be creative and you can't move on to something unless you've taken the first step. So, so that's how I do things. And I don't care about hearing the words no anymore. I, I ask people all the time if they want to be up on the podcast. Sometimes it's a no. Do we help us from the fear pleasure set? Just ask them again in six months because, you know, their life might have changed and they might say yes at that point. He's right. And that was a big thing. So I just started doing that. But if you don't put thoughts into the world, there's no way that things will happen. It's, it's I think that's like step one. It's like making a confession of a project, of a, an intention. Hmm. And until you confess the intention, I, I don't think that it can ever come to fruition. One of the last main questions I wanted to ask you is kind of about morality, but not to dive too deep into it. But do you think that for yourself and other death metal vocalists specifically, you know, we could cover, you know, metal as a whole, but I'm kind of zeroing in here because of kind of the the subject matter that death metal is you know, associated with and attached to more than other subgenres. You know, do you think that writing and performing lyrics that tackle kind of the darkest parts of humanity, even if they're stories, even if you're writing from a creative writing point of view and you're not actually, you know, expressing genuine rage or anything, and it's coming from a purely creative or just kind of macabre, you know, horror author kind of point of view, do you think that gives you a certain sense of clarity over the morals that you believe in and the way that you choose to live your life? more so than others who don't kind of dive full bore into kind of darkness like that? Do you think that you're like, okay, this has given me a sense of clarity of like, this is why, how I want to live morally, and this is how I don't want to live morally? Or do you think that that's just kind of arbitrary and you kind of developed that long before, and that wasn't even really refined by your career in writing and your lyricism? I, I think it was defined beforehand from, you know, having, a, I had a great upbringing. My parents definitely instilled excellent morals into me my wife reinforced those uh cryptopsy is always a very creative uh approach to writing right. lyrics for myself it's very fantasy yeah uh, early on was just basically just like nonsense until i found my voice with cryptopsy which came about on the self-titled record when i became much more of a documentarian um author where i would yeah, I find love that. i love that lyrical style you have and then i would just yeah. reimagine the what was happening i went through the book of sufferings with the same technique and then with the new record uh which is coming up eventually and will eventually be released is uh i wanted to have more of something to talk about in interviews so i have definitely a whole concept where it's it has a big 
social message about social media and the internet in, in its whole. Uh, I can't talk about it too much because the album's not released and nothing's oh, yeah, been announced yeah, yet. Sure. But I'm very excited to to start speaking about that. But um, morally, it's it's I write horrible things and I talk about horrible things. And is that a good thing to do? I don't know, but there, you know, there's a bunch of horror movies out there that. Oh yeah, that's do that anyways. And yeah, for sure. Kids have access to that too, so at least they they somewhat understand what I'm saying. Versus watching a gory horror movie, which maybe they stumble upon because the parental settings aren't set properly. So so I, I don't feel too guilty about exposing the children to to horrible graphic lyrics that oh, i yeah, have been yeah. writing and i have written for the new record that's coming up definitely you are you seem like a moral person <laughs> uh, i try to be and you I'm seem like to a make man of good moral fiber i'm um, trying to make my kids be moral as well so <laughs> um no but I, I i love your lyrical style of kind of that you know a, a narration a creative writing that's exactly what you know how i describe it you know, it, you're telling stories and I love that, you know, as a horror fan and someone who grew up kind of exploring horror kind of on my own terms and kind of my parents aren't really into it. So I kind of discovered all of that on my own. Um, it mm -hmm. is, it's just definitely interesting because you, you hear the, you know, you hear, you know, it's outdated at this point, but, you know, people read lyrics and you're like, oh, how could someone write something like that be this way? But like, you're living proof. I'm talking to you. They're hearing it. You know, you are the way that you are. And I'm a daycare educator. Yeah. So this brings us to the final two segments of the podcast, Matt. And first up is Tomes of Wisdom, where each guest recommends us three pieces of media that have inspired them philosophically or spiritually in the last year. This can be books, films, games, comics, anything that has made you think about your own life or life in the world in a different way. So, Matt, what are three pieces of media that you've consumed that you would recommend for us to digest? I think that my album of the year really, really helped. It's dark lyrics, but something uplifting about them is A.A. A. Williams' As the moon rests, new record. It's 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 sorrowful, but also strangely uplifting. Very dark lyrics, but for some reason it it resonated with me. Um, no, it's a tough question um, that, that helped form me philosophically. Very tough. There's all the the vegan documentaries that I watched back in 2017 that led me to become a vegan, but that's no one's going to want to hear about that. But. <laughs> Yeah, this is free. This is a free open forum. You can say whatever you want to say. <laughs> those those definitely led me towards. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess if that's the big thing. I've been vegan since 2017. Do you I have never a particular one? There's there's one book. It's How Not to Die by Dr. Gregor. That was a a hugely formative book for myself, my wife, and just just he's a smart dude, and I I definitely felt. Um, that I needed to make big changes in my life uh, after reading that. I think we had already become vegan at that point. It just sort of like reinforced everything. But uh, Dr. Gregor is a, a great thought leader. Finally, that brings us to the segment that I like to call The Chaser. So in The Chaser, we ask the same 10 rapid-fire questions for each guest, and we ask that they keep their answer to 30 seconds or less, although I don't I don't strictly enforce that, so you can, you can go over 30 seconds. Uh, are you ready, Matt? I am ready. All right, question one. Do you believe in fate or free will and why? I believe that uh, we have a path in front of us and it is multifaceted and you have to choose the path that you want or make the path that you want. What is a stronger force in the world, love or hate and why? Uh, hate is stronger because it's darker and it will make your life more miserable. 
And if you do not divert away from hate, it will drag you down. Who are the three most important spiritual and moral guides in your life and why? I have to say Jessica, my wife, obviously. Um, My parents and music. What was the most spiritual place for you where you grew up and why? And I don't necessarily literally, you can, it can literally be spiritual, but also it could be a place where you just felt a great sense of awe when you were younger growing up. Uh, maybe the stage at my high school where I played my first shows. Uh, I'm striving to go back and speak at my high school just to stand there again. So That's really cool. What is the most delicious meal you've had in the last month and where was it? Ooh, I made some killer vegan general tattoo yesterday night. It was really, really good. And then I was like, what did you eat for lunch today to Jessica? And she was like, oh, I ate that. And I was like, what do you mean you ate that? That's like a supper thing. You're supposed to eat the salad for lunch. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when was the last time you felt lost? Mm, that happens. That happens at least once a month. Or my, my I, I call it my uh, my hustle train is out of gas. It happens, you know, when you hit like a big high. I had the, the Vox and Ups four-year anniversary party, and it was a big high, and it was amazing. And then I felt a little bit lost, and I had to recharge my hustle train. That that was a moment. Hmm. Do you think the universe bends towards order or towards chaos, and why? Hmm. I think it likes chaos because uh, there's more friction. If there's more friction. There's more, I don't know, electrons running, rubbing together, and that will create more life or something like that. And I don't know. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> what is the most important piece of your childhood that you've held on to and why? It can be literally a physical thing or, you know, an emotional tenet. Uh, probably listening to music with my dad in the car. It uh, made a big impact on my life, and it still is this day. Those early, you know, listening to Europe, play that song again, Dad, and he would. <laughs> Moments like that. <laughs> yeah, that was my song. What is one axiom or quote that centers you and calms you in dark times? Um, right now, it's not, it's not like a, a real quote, but my mantra right now is focused on focus on what is important. To everyone who has ever been touched by your words and music, what do you say? Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me an, a moment of your attention. And uh, let's share a beer. Matt, you have just engaged in psychic warfare. Thank you so much for joining me today. It truly means the world. Chris, thank you so, so much. It was a pleasure. Massive cheers to you. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to Psychic Warfare. If you like content like this for the rock and metal scene, it would mean a lot to me if you could hit subscribe or follow on your podcast platform of choice. Also, you can follow me at Risk with a K on Twitter, and you can follow the show at Pod on Twitter and Psychic Warfare Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you guys again for all the support, and I will see you in the next episode for another round of Psychic Warfare.